You are on trial having been accused of a crime. Now, it doesn't matter that you know you are innocent of this crime because as the case is going so far, the opposing counsel has done a magnificent job presenting to the jury a case that could very easily convince them that you are guilty. However, you aren't terribly worried. You aren't worried because you know that your own attorney still has yet to call one more witness to the stand. And you know already from talking with your attorney and this witness that the testimony that this witness is going to provide will single-handedly provide enough key evidence that will convince the jury beyond the shadow of a doubt that you're innocent of the crime you've been accused of. So you would be understandably shocked and terrified if, when that witness is brought up into the stand and the questions are asked and the witness says nothing. Because that witness, with its key testimony, said nothing the jury was left only to consider the evidence that had been presented and then understandably came to the conclusion that the verdict, their verdict, was that you were guilty. The only difference between this hypothetical situation and the reality of countless unbelievers right now who stand guilty before God is that they don't know that you are that key witness. They don't know that you are the one with the testimony, with the evidence, with the proof that will convince God the Father that they are not guilty by pointing them to the fact that Jesus has paid for their sins and relaying that message and giving that testimony so that they might believe it and then be found, declared, and believe that they are not guilty before the Lord. But now if you say nothing, well then nothing changes for that soul that already stands condemned by his or her sin. Dear friends, let us not naively presume that it makes little difference whether or not we say anything of our faith to others. Let us not buy the lie that our busyness in this life doesn't really have much of an impact on other people while we go our separate ways and we are preoccupied with this important matter or that one, while we are more concerned with arguing online or streaming hours of content on our screen or spending hours upon hours of, of gaming while not taking the time to provide the testimony as God's witnesses to others, to set them free, to let them know that they too are forgiven. In fact, it is the most important thing in all the world. It is the most important news that anyone can hear or receive or believe, far more important than the other stuff that we preoccupy ourselves with. 
Last Sunday, we started this series talking about the importance of listening, and it is hugely important for us to listen to others because it provides the context, it provides guidance for us as to how we might bring Jesus into the conversations that we have with others. But we can listen all day long for the rest of our lives, but if it never leads to the next step of witnessing, then all of our listening is for naught. We listen so that we might witness. And if you listened in the second reading this morning, that is exactly what Jesus calls you. Not only does he identify you as a witness, but he calls you to be a witness. He calls you to go and testify to what you know about him. Listen again in in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus does not say, Some of you will be my witnesses. Jesus does not say, Some of you might be my witnesses. Five simple, very straightforward words. You will be my witnesses. Unless you won't. Unless you refuse or ignore what what Jesus calls you to do. Then, of course, you you won't serve as his witness. Now, I wonder if you are at the point in your Christian life where you are, are content to continue on that path, disregarding what Jesus calls you to do. I don't know too many parents for whom it would sit well when they tell their children to do a chore if their children just ignored or refused what mom and dad said. And I don't know if there are any employers among us, but I don't know how long you would continue to, to hire workers who failed to do the work that you told them to do. The fact of the matter is that when Jesus tells us, you will be my witnesses, if our actions say, nah, I'm not really going to do that, then maybe, maybe it's time for us to have a a serious spiritual health checkup. If, on the other hand, you are at a point in your Christian faith where you are ready to acknowledge that that this is not an optional thing for you and that you actually do want to grow in your ability to to witness and to carry out this all-important task of evangelism, and for some of you, that might be the very first time in your lives. This might be the first time you might be a lifelong Christian and have never been comfortable. You have never been faced with the need and the importance and the urgency of evangelism, and that's okay. But if you are willing to, to get to a point or to be at a point today where, where you're done making up excuses, then let's do the work that is necessary to help us, to allow God to equip us to be what he has called us to be his witnesses. So we aren't going to waste any time this morning with the excuses that you have sold yourself on for maybe years. Because that's all they are, is excuses. But excuses are like a band-aid that simply cover up the real underlying issue. 
So let's ask ourselves a few questions so we can ignore and avoid the excuses and get to what might really be the underlying issue. And I can't answer this for you. I can raise questions. You can wrestle with it for yourself. But that's what it's going to take if we are going to bring down these barriers that have gotten in the way of us being the witnesses Jesus has called us to be. So if you have been content to disregard Jesus' words to this point, ask yourself some question. Why is that? Is it because you, you assume that, that Jesus' commission here is for, for, for other Christians? For some, not including you? Is it because you don't actually trust that the gospel, the good news of, of Jesus, is powerful enough to convert even the most hardened unbeliever? Is it because you don't believe in a real hell or that souls are actually going to go there? Is it because you care more about you than Jesus? Because as long as that's the case, evangelism is never going to take place. Jesus is only going to matter for others when Jesus matters for us. When we stop making evangelism about ourselves, and that's really what all the excuses are, right? The excuses come because I'm more concerned about how this will look for me, how it will impact me, than the fact that not telling my neighbor means that they don't know this news of life and salvation and are on a path that will lead them ultimately cut off from God forever. But if you are willing to to do that hard work and really wrestle with why you have struggled to witness, then let's go back to these words from Acts. The first several verses in the account. Very easy for us to skim over those and just presume that Luke is providing us in these verses with the content, the subject material that we are to pass on to others. And that's true to an extent, but those words are much more important than that. Those words are for you before they're for anybody else. When in those verses, Luke gives that description of our Savior and recalls exactly what he summarized earlier in his gospel by the same name of, of Luke, when he talks about the Savior suffering and when he talks about Jesus giving many convincing proofs that he was alive, that suffering and that proof of his resurrection, those were for you before they're for you to share with anybody else. Do you realize what that means? Those are words that are our life for you first and foremost. For you, weak need witnesses. For every time that we have been indifferent or have been uncaring about the souls of others, to withhold this precious news of life and salvation from them, Luke reminds us that that Savior suffered for that sin. Your Savior rose to make sure that God would not hold you accountable for that sin. So that the guilt that so often accompanies us when we talk about this subject of evangelism, the guilt and the sin of being indifferent toward evangelism, Luke reminds us because of that suffering and resurrection, those things don't need to impede you. That's not who you are. They don't stand in the way of your relationship with God and they don't stand in the way of your ability to be the witness that he has called you to. 
Instead, he has lavished you, he has wrapped you up with his grace and his life and forgiveness. And it's that very grace and life and forgiveness now that we know, first and foremost, that this isn't just information passed on to us, but this is the stuff that actually brings about transformation that changes our hearts and our ways of thinking. Then we're ready to witness. So last week, we talked about listening. Why? Why is listening so important when it comes to witnessing? Well, there are, are certain things that you can listen for as you apply that discipline of listening to others. As others share their stories, you will hear about pain points, suffering or, or challenging that they are facing. You'll hear about seasons of transition or change in their life that are new and unfamiliar and scary. And you might even hear about an expression of gratitude and thanks, but they don't really and never have known where to direct that gratitude and that thanks. And all of these are openings for you once you have listened to now apply and connect Jesus, to bring him into that conversation. Because Jesus is always the solution to whatever anybody else needs. So there are two really straightforward and, and relatively simple approaches that we can take when it comes to witnessing. You maybe heard them, maybe not, but it's, it's always good to be refreshed and reminded of them. The first approach is the feel-felt-found approach. So as you are listening to another individual tell their story or what they're going through in life, chances are that you'll be able to relate to that. So as you listen to them, you empathize. Remember that R from EAR, the, the acronym last week? You restate. You tell him, I understand how you feel. I have also felt that way. What I've found is, and then you fill in your own personal experience of how Jesus has made a difference for you in that respective or particular challenge or frustration or bit of suffering. Feel, felt, found. And by doing so, you have, again, brought Jesus into the conversation. You've given the Holy Spirit an opportunity to connect an abstract in a very real way for them because they're seeing how Jesus made a difference in your life in a very relatable way. So that's the one approach. Feel, felt, found. The other probably requires a little bit more know-how and familiar with the, familiarity with Scripture. But as we grow and, and start to, to learn and be familiar with some narratives in Scripture, then we're better equipped to carry this out too. And it is simply to tell the story, to use the narrative approach. So your, your friend or your coworker is sharing with you disappointment or discouragement about a relationship. Any stories in Scripture that might be applicable? Was Jesus ever disappointed by his disciples? Yes, Jesus can relate, so bring Jesus into that story, into that narrative in a very real way and see how Jesus dealt with that and equips us to deal with the same. Have you ever had a, a friend or a family member, somebody express to you the sadness, the grieving that they are going through at the loss of a loved one? Jesus can relate to that story. Jesus was at the, at the, the, the tombstone, the grave of his friend Lazarus. Jesus wept at the loss of somebody very close to him. 
which just made him all the more determined to see that death would not have the last word. There are so many stories in Scripture that are relatable. And when you help somebody attach and tie their story to the story in Scripture, to Jesus' story, again, you're giving the Holy Spirit the opportunity to make those connections and work in their hearts and their lives. Did you notice in these first verses of the book of Acts that Luke is essentially modeling for us exactly what he is calling us to do? That Luke himself is witnessing. Luke is passing on to his readers, his hearers, back then and still today, wherever the book of Acts is read, he is passing on that testimony that he heard from eyewitnesses. And you notice the details, the the word choice that, that Luke uses, that Jesus appeared, that he presented himself, that he ate with the disciples. These are things that can be seen and heard and experienced that those around Jesus then passed on to people like Luke, who then passed on to people like you and me. You will be my witnesses. That's right here. That's right now. That's, that's you. You are the next link in that chain that God wants to use to connect somebody else to Jesus. And you do that as you witness. So as we rejoice and never tire of hearing that, that God continues to lavish on us his grace and his forgiveness for our every failed or ignored witnessing attempt. That very same grace, not force, not fear, not threat, not coercion, not please the pastor, but that grace compels us to be the link in that chain to connect others to Jesus so that they might know his grace, they might know life, that they too might know the freedom that we have in Jesus. So brothers and sisters in Christ, witness. Amen.